0: Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Want access to real attorneys for about $20 a month? Contact ASHA at 678-355-8777 and get assigned your law firm today. Are you annoyed by affirmations? What about when someone tells you to... Think positively! The reason you didn't get that raise is because you weren't thinking positively enough. If you were more optimistic like me, your life would be stress-free... Easy and full of opportunity, just like mine. Speaking of opportunity, is that a nickel on the ground? I gotta go grab it before someone else does. Get out of my way, that's mine. I saw it first. Jeez, mister, take it, I don't care. If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like a straight path to denial, then you're in the right place to start creating the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, personal empowerment coach and host of this show that I, sometime in the past, named The Overwhelmed Brain. And this is the personal growth show for the critical thinker. It's for everyone else too, but um, <laughs> on every episode we'll talk about practical down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. Everything I talk about in this show should not be mistaken or misinterpreted for actual medical advice or treatment and is intended to be for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical treatment. What you'll find here is an increase in your emotional intelligence, a strengthening of your self-worth and self-esteem, the motivation to be your authentic self, and the forward momentum to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. All right, I want to address a question that came to me that had to do with how I dealt with improving my life uh, when I first started on my healing journey. Uh, This person asked, you know, how did you deal with it? Uh, you, You know, for example, the ups and downs of, healing and being triggered and good days and bad days and acquiring resources to heal like books and workshops and even trusting the journey and getting yourself out of bad situations. Well, if you've heard my show for a long time, you realize that um, my true healing started when I was about 35. And I'm going to share with you my story to give you an idea of what you may go through if you haven't really started this journey yet, like if you're brand new to this show or brand new to some of the concepts, like one of the concepts that um, surprised me that a couple of the listeners wrote to me and told me about was the idea of personal boundaries. I've I've had um, maybe one or two coaching clients that said, I didn't even know about personal boundaries. And when I heard that, that scared me. <laughs> it scared me because If you don't know your personal boundaries and you don't know what you stand for inside yourself, then how have you been all of these years? How have you been up to this point? Have you just let people walk on you? I mean, it's possible. That's true. Now, I came from a place uh, just like that. I didn't really have personal boundaries. And... When I discovered my personal boundaries, it was usually at a time where things got so bad that I exploded, that I erupted, that I was angry, that I lost my temper. Fortunately for those around me, they didn't see me lose my temper all that often. But anyone can get to a point where they are bugged and bugged and bugged until they suddenly explode and say, stop bothering me or stop doing that. They'll get to that point And That's usually when you access your personal boundaries in an unresourceful way, (laughs) to to put it lightly, because there are resourceful ways to access your personal boundaries by exploring what you want in your life and what you don't want in your life, what you'll accept and what you won't accept. And when you explore those and you're cognizant, aware of those boundaries, then when someone starts to cross the line, you can say, hey back up a little bit because you're crossing the line and it's easier to address it then even though sometimes it's not easy to honor yourself because you might offend other people and if you have any trouble offending other people that that might come into play but the idea of honoring yourself when you know what your boundaries are it does get easier when you are aware of what your boundaries are as opposed to finding out what they are by continuing to let people overcome you or override you or I can't think of the word (laughs) Uh, walk all over you treat you like a doormat uh, because you will get to the point where you're either burned out and submissive and I just don't care anymore or you get angry and say stop it leave me alone and you run away or you scream or you fight you do something else So, I would rather have you discover your boundaries by understanding what you will and won't accept in your life right now and honor that in you as much as you can and even as politely as you can. No, that's not for me. Thank you for asking. I mean, that's a polite way to honor your boundaries as opposed to getting more and more upset, getting more and more upset, and then boom, it comes out in an explosion. But let me back up to what I'm going to share here, which is going through the healing journey, going through starting the process of your journey where you get to a point where you are suddenly on a healing journey. What happens? Um, For me and probably for most people, I think the very first thing that happens is an awareness. And That is exactly what I was just talking about. An awareness, for example, of your boundaries. I'm suddenly aware that I have boundaries or that they're called boundaries, that they're called personal boundaries or guidelines on how you run your life. And when you're aware of the boundaries, then you start thinking differently and sometimes behaving differently, oftentimes behaving differently. And for me, and I think for most people, That when the awareness kicks in, that's when the healing can start. I mean, there are probably many ways to heal through some of the emotional wounds that you're carrying with you. But just having an awareness, just someone coming up to you and asking, again, using the same example, personal boundaries, what are your personal boundaries? And you have to step back and go, hmm, what are they? Because if you're not necessarily aware of them, that awareness can turn on in that moment. Or not. I mean, maybe you don't even know what they are or how to define them. And I've had episodes on that if you want to explore that on personal boundaries. But the awareness, once that kicks in, starts, in my opinion, the process of healing. Or at least the process to begin healing, puts you in the right direction to healing. And when I say healing, I mean, most of us have some emotional wounds that we're carrying with us from some sort of trauma, neglect, or abuse from childhood or even into our older years. Some things happened to us when we were younger that changed our belief system, that changed our perception of the world, our perceptions of love and friendship and family and relationships. Our perceptions changed. Change after some sort of traumatic event, and then we behave differently. And this different behavior is emotionally driven. And so we develop these new beliefs, new guidelines, new boundaries when we're younger, or lack of boundaries. And we bring that with us into the adult world, and we find out if our beliefs and values and perceptions of the world are accurate by the results that we get, by the outcomes that happen. So if you keep going through job after job after job or relationship after relationship or getting no relationships at all or getting no jobs at all or, you know, all these results that we get in our life, we can look at the patterns and go, hmm, yes, I'm the common denominator because we have to accept that (laughs) we are the common denominator for everything that happens in our life. This isn't working. Or this is working, but this isn't working. Something over here is working, that isn't working. So why isn't that working? Well, I don't know. I I get burnt out or they dump me or they fire me. I don't know why it's happening. Typically, it's some sort of emotional wound. Not every time. There are circumstances that come up and sometimes it's pure chance that these things happen. But typically, patterns will point back to some sort of emotional wounding from the past because when we are not emotionally wounded when we are mostly healed or somewhat healed then we move forward in a direction that uh, helps us get the outcomes we want helps us succeed and to me that's what the emotional journey is all about succeeding in areas in your life that you weren't succeeding in before and that could mean a number of things you land the job you want you create the job you want you meet the person of your dreams or you leave the person that's highly toxic to you all these things that can um, create success in your life start to appear when again in my opinion when these emotional wounds go away which is why it's so important to start emotional healing as soon as possible because when you start it, life starts to change. And you know what being in a rut feels like. You know what stagnation feels like. I'm sure you've been there. I've been there. I was there for 35 years and I thought I had a good life up to that point even though my outcomes weren't what I wanted over the years. Losing jobs, losing relationships, losing myself you know, losing my identity, losing my connection to myself, or discovering I never had a connection with myself, discovering that I was wearing a mask in the world. And that mask uh, hid the real me from the world. So uh, I wouldn't be judged because if I'm judged, I'm not liked. And if I'm not liked, I'm not part of the bigger picture. I'm I'm not part of the clan or the tribe. And if I'm not part of the clan or the tribe, then I'm not paid or fed or loved. I mean, these go into some of the primal reasons we do things, like way down inside, like, I don't want to be judged. Well, why don't you want to be judged? Well, if I'm judged, they won't like me. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, if they don't like me, they won't accept me. And you know, that, that drilling down into the real reasons we do things and the real reasons we think things and our, why we do our behavior. And when we start uh, healing emotionally, these behaviors change and suddenly we're not doing things out of a need uh, uh, for survival. And when that changes, our ambition changes, our motivation changes, and now we're going in a direction that we want and succeeding in ways that we never did before because we're not carrying that baggage. So my healing journey started at age 35. I mean, sure, I got over some other stuff, small stuff, like I read a book by um, Hugh Prather called... I think it's called Letting Go of the Little Things or something like that. And I read that before I was 35 and that really helped. I don't even remember why it helped or what specifically helped in that book. But I got uh, quite a bit from that book. But I was still way off from some of the stuff that I needed to heal from. But that was a good uh, step into healing. So if you want to look that up, it's on my website, theoverwhelmedbrain.com. You can click on the uh, resources button, find it there. But I did move forward in that book. I had some forward momentum. And then, you know, I went through this big breakup after 13 years with this uh, girl that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And it turned out to be wrong. The last year or two of our relationship, she fell out of love with me and then left me. I went into a depression because I was highly dependent on her for my happiness, which if you've heard me say it. That's a very bad place to be, to place the pressure on someone else for you to be happy. Instead of arriving to the relationship as this happy, healthy person, you arrive in the relationship down until they make you happy. That's dangerous. That's dysfunctional. I. Uh, they can make you happier, but to put the pressure on them to be your only source of happiness, they will feel the pressure. And it will create dysfunction in the relationship, and it probably the relationship probably won't last. You know, if if that's the first time you've heard that, I don't mean to sound cold when I say that, but that is typically the case of what happens because I did that. I was there. It's exactly what I did. It's probably the primary or one of the primary reasons that my thirteen-year relationship ended, aside from my judgment issues, which is a whole other story in itself. But um, that I had to heal from as well. But after that relationship ended and my depression uh, came into full force, I would say it was a a moderate to maybe not severe, but it was quite moderate. I was completely uh, stale, dull inside, void and devoid of emotions and just non-feeling. I couldn't even feel sad. I was just non-feeling and having no feeling at all was like being dead. But you'd think that non-feeling would be at least peaceful. (laughs) But it wasn't. It it honestly felt like I was a sponge of negative emotions. And I couldn't squeeze it out where the negative emotions would just run out of me. Like water from that sponge. It would just run out. But I couldn't squeeze it out of me. There was no way that I knew that, that could happen. So I carried this depression with me into my next relationship. And at that time... I had just turned 35, I think, and the woman I met um, was this highly energetic, loving, passionate girl that had a good sense of humor, and we got along great. However, I was depressed, and uh, she didn't know how to communicate with me. She didn't know how to relate to me. We were on opposite ends of the energetic spectrum, I guess you could say, or emotional energetic spectrum. So even though we had a lot in common, and we got along great my energy didn't match hers for lack of a better term. So she said one day that I I can't be around you. You're so depressed. Call me when you're not. (laughs) And uh, that's when it hit me. That's when things really built up and and all these uh, outcomes in my life, all these results that I've had was repeating a pattern again. Oh no, I'm losing someone else that's special to me. It's happening all over again. And Suddenly, when I had that thought, that deep connection to my emotional being way inside must have triggered uh, some anger uh, and a lot of hatred toward my stepfather. And this hatred that I've been holding on to for 35 years suddenly came out in tears. And I buckled down on the floor, was crying and yelling at the top of my lungs, I hate my stepfather. And That was one of the most pivotal moments in my healing and growth journey because after that moment, I realized how freeing it felt to express something that I was holding on to, that I didn't even know I was holding on to. And because it came out, because, you know, I thought, I'm not supposed to hate people. If I hate someone, then I'm a bad person. So I never allowed the feeling of hatred or the thought of hatred to enter my mind. But boy, when it came out, I suddenly felt, for the first time in a long time, less depressed. I'm not not—I'm not saying I was happy. I was less depressed. And it was a different feeling. And it was a lighter feeling. And it was a less numb feeling, a less void feeling. And that felt good. It felt like forward momentum. And, you know, the next day and the day after, I'm like, what just happened? I was able to release hatred that I've been holding on to that I didn't even know I had. And suddenly I feel better. What does that mean? And, you know, I learned about uh, how we repress negative emotions, hold on to them, and then we own them and hold on to them so tight that they control our behavior. They control our state. They keep all the good emotions down, too. Because when you hold on to a negative emotion, you're also holding on to a lot of positive emotions. They're all in the same pool down there. And when you let go of the negative emotion, it's like you're unblocking the path of uh, good emotions that you can feel too. Suddenly some good emotions come out and your state changes and you feel better. So personally, at 35, that's when my real healing started because... That breakdown was the beginning of a breakthrough of new ways to uh, heal the emotional wounds. And one of those new ways was full expression of what's going on inside of me, even if I look like an idiot doing it. (laughs) Because I I guarantee, or at least in my eyes, I look like a blubbering idiot buckled down on the floor crying like a baby (laughs) because that's what I felt like. His tears were running out, and I was screaming. And a, a psychotherapist could look at me and go, He's having a childhood regression, you know. And that's probably what it was something I've been holding on to from childhood. I regressed back into that place inside of me, and as the adult, released what I was holding on to, at least a lot of it, because I no longer have hatred for my stepfather. I was able to. Turn on my awareness for that hatred, cry it out, yell it, release it, and then move on. And then the hatred was gone. And I think some people think that when you don't express something that's, quote, bad, that it's better that way, that it's better to think positively, that it's better to hold on to optimism, when in reality, sometimes you just need to let it out and say what really comes up take out the resistance and that's what i did i i took out the resistance the dam broke (laughs) the tears came out the the screaming came out and the next day i felt lighter than i've been in a long time emotionally speaking so my healing journey began at 35 years and then the woman i was with at the time she decided to stick around because she saw an improvement in me I remember the first couple of years was learning how to communicate better, learning how to express myself better, learning how to be honest and authentic. And she provided a safe place to do that. But, you know, I was still judgmental and I was still triggered. There were still emotional triggers in me that were popping up left and right. And uh, as they popped up, some I shared, some I didn't. When I shared it, it didn't make the triggers go away. But I kept working on myself, working on myself. And by the end of my relationship with that woman, who eventually became my wife, she finally left because she did not feel safe around me anymore. I was highly judgmental and I had some other triggers going on and I hadn't healed from those yet. During the last year of our relationship, I started to heal from them, but it was too late for us. And like I said, if you've been listening, you've heard this story, so I don't want to repeat it too much, but I wanted to address the healing journey and what's going to happen for you if you haven't started it yet or if you're just starting it is that you need to welcome some thoughts and some feelings that you might not want to have. You might need to welcome some memories that you don't want to come up. I'm not saying you have to. I'm saying that if they are consistently prevalent and consistently driving your behavior, And motivating you to do certain things or say certain things or act in ways that um, are protective of yourself because you're still driven by these negative events in your life, then it's possible that by letting them come up in a safe place with a safe person, whether that's a friend, family member, therapist, coach, wherever you feel like you can express yourself and let this stuff come out, Because you might have a breakdown when it comes out. That's why it's probably better to do it with someone. And I've done some of this stuff on my own, but um, my biggest breakthroughs have usually come when I was with someone else. Because there is the, the safety factor. When you're with someone safe, then you're probably more willing to share with someone safe just in case you can't handle it. And they can be there as this safe, non-judgmental person that will say, hey, I'm here if you need me. Or here, cry on my shoulder. Or, you know, tell me what else is bothering you. Or, hey, let's just take a break. You know, you're somebody there to sort of guide you, even though you're doing most of the work. I hate to call it work, but it is. Sometimes it is hard work to get through this stuff. So along your emotional healing journey, Really, the best advice I can give you is to remember that, what's the AA quote or saying? I think it's take it one day at a time, right? Take it one day at a time. Today, something might come up and tomorrow, something else might come up. And then the next day, nothing will happen. But um, it's good to be aware and present every day, which brings me to my previous point, which is stepping out of the situation and being aware. It's the first time you become aware of something. Like I said about one of my clients, she's like, I wasn't even aware I had personal boundaries. The day you become aware of something in you is the day that the healing can begin. It may not begin on that day, but you've surely opened the door to it. And let me tell you what happens is you go forward with not only your, quote, problems, your challenges, but also an awareness that they exist. And it almost feels like you're two different people at that point. I don't want to throw in any ideas of multiple personalities here, but there's uh, you before awareness and then you after awareness. And that does feel like you are a separate person. So when you begin this healing journey, or if you've not already begun, you can have your quote problems, your challenges. And then you can have your awareness of those challenges. And your awareness stays the active observer of your behavior. It's hard to explain, but I have a feeling you get it. (laughs) Because when when you're aware of your own behavior, then you notice it when you do it. You're not completely unconscious and just being immersed in that behavior as it unfolds because... You might still have behavior that you do that you don't like, but you're also going, wow, I just did behavior that I don't like. That's healthy. That's uh, critical thinking. That's observation, awareness. And it's also being very present in the moment about what's happening over there, (laughs) in a sense, because uh, that person that you are over there doing that behavior, you may or may not like, but at least you're being an active observer so that you can talk to yourself later. Why did I do that? (laughs) Why why did I say those specific things? What was I trying to accomplish? You can drill down into uh, what's going on inside yourself, and you may not get the answers, but at least you're aware of it. So let me rewind all the way back to the beginning about the question that this listener asked me. What do you do about the ups and downs of healing and the, the good days and the bad days? You really can't prepare because preparing is very conscious. If I said, okay, I'm going to have a bad day tomorrow, so how do I prepare for this consciously? I mean, yeah, there are probably some techniques that I can talk about, but for the most part, if you are doing emotional healing, then preparedness isn't necessarily unconscious enough for it to happen organically and naturally and from a place of self-empowerment. If that doesn't make sense, (laughs) let me try to explain it a little bit better. If I told you that you need to have a breakdown about what you're holding on to, would you be able to do it? In most cases, probably not. If somebody said, well, that hatred that you're holding on to for your stepfather, you need to have a breakdown and cry that out. I'd be like, uh, okay, let me think about how to do that. As soon as I start thinking about it, it's a very conscious process. So it's hard to reach that buildup of negative emotional energy that gets you to a point of breakdown. So in my opinion, it's not easy to do it consciously. But how do you do it unconsciously? The idea is just to keep asking yourself questions, just to keep addressing things that come come up in you. That's why being aware is so important. I am aware that I do this behavior. For example, when I started... um working on my judgment issues. I am aware that I am judging. All right, let me question why I do that. And let me figure out if I can not do it. Like what would happen if I didn't judge? Hmm. Then I start questioning myself and coming up with some answers. I may not be able to resolve it just through questioning, but at least I'm open to resolving it. And that's, that's where you want to be. You're open to resolving it and you're open to doing it in a way that might feel uncomfortable and this is really where you need to get with your emotional healing journey is that sometimes you'll have to get uncomfortable and believe me if you are a person that has been in denial for most of your life and has been totally optimistic and never looks at the bad side of things it's going to be harder to get from denial to being open to being uncomfortable but that is an important and maybe big step might be a big leap of faith for you to do it but like i said find a safe person find a safe space yes you can do this on your own you can do it in your car you can do it in your bedroom scream into your pillow whatever comes up but it's a good idea to just start questioning yourself why you do certain behaviors and if those behaviors are serving you or not and are they harming other people And then you can ask yourself, why am I harming other people? Well, I don't mean to harm other people. All I want to do is what? You know, protect myself or get my needs met or or whatever it is for you. So your healing journey is going to be yours. It's going to be unique. It's going to be sometimes organic in the sense that things will happen that you're not prepared for. And sometimes those are the best things that could ever happen. My first breakdown was at 35. My second breakdown was like 39, 40 when it was literally breaking down in the desert (laughs) with uh, little to no money and all my stuff in my car. And um, I was a thousand miles away from home. When that breakdown happened, that was another huge pivot in my life and uh, shifted my direction, changed me, got me over anxiety, uh, all kinds of things. And The way I got there is just being open to it happening, being open to being uncomfortable, allowing the worst thing to happen to happen, allowing for me to accept whatever the worst case scenario is to happen. And that's what happened. (laughs) I didn't plan it. It wasn't something I wanted. A lot of this stuff isn't. We usually don't want to feel what we have to feel when we're going through emotional healing, but it happened. And it changed my life. And um, let's see, what's the the next breakdown after that? My divorce. It wasn't a huge breakdown, but it happened. And I went through the uncomfortable period. And I went through some enlightenment. Not full enlightenment, because I'm still here. (laughs) But I went through that period of, I don't want to do this, but I'll do it anyway. Just because I know that breakdowns lead to breakthroughs lead to feeling better. So, your emotional journey is going to have its ups and downs. You take it day by day. You be aware of this person that's having these issues and this behavior. You question yourself a lot. You question your own behavior a lot. And then you're open to meltdowns, <laughs> breakdowns, and realize that sometimes that needs to happen to make major shifts in your life. It doesn't have to happen always. I don't want to make you frightened that that's the only way to change because it's not. But uh, it's certainly an accelerated way to change. (laughs) It will certainly give you a new perspective really quick. So you can go through books and videos and podcasts like this and make some changes in your life and notice the incremental growth that you're going through. Or you can just be open to a huge breakdown and everything will happen really fast. I don't wish that upon you, but at the same time, I do. (laughs) I do. (laughs) because I want your life to get better faster, but sometimes things take time. So you might just have to, um, go with the flow, but either way, I want to thank that listener for asking that question about the healing and growth journey and what's involved because I never really explored it like this. So thanks for listening to this segment. We'll be right back with ask Paul right after this. Welcome back. In fact, I would like to welcome back Asha with getoutofthemess.com. And Asha is our legal plan expert. She represents Legal Shield, And every now and then I like to ask her questions about the service and like to share it with you in case you're interested in something like this. Asha, why don't you tell us what this legal plan is all about and maybe clear up one of the misconceptions that I've heard, which is this is like a fly by night attorney working out of his basement. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but. A lot of people have uh, different ideas of what they're paying for. Like, what do you get for $20 a month? So I'm just curious if you could address that.
1: Sure. Actually, uh, I had a call just last week or the week before, and the gentleman I was talking to could not reconcile that there was any way that these could be quality attorneys for $20 a month. I mean, it's just impossible, right? Because attorneys... Hover in the average of about $250 an hour. So 12 months at $20 a month is one hour of legal time. So if I tell him that it's a quality attorney, then he says, well, then they must cut me off. I mean, I ask a question, they're going to cut me off immediately and say I have to hire them. Actually, neither of those things are true. The service is absolutely quality attorneys. And in fact, they are rated by the members as we use them, we we let the Legal shield company know they satisfied us, they didn't satisfy us, uh, the service was good, the service was poor, their response time was not within guaranteed limits, that sort of thing. And if they don't meet those top quality standards, they get fired. Their entire firm loses their state and they lose all of that revenue. So how does it work? It works because They get prepaid money on a percentage of every monthly fee that you and I and the other three and a half million members spend. And so each state gets a portion of that money, whether you ever make a call or not. So those of us who do make calls, their goal is to give us great service so they don't get fired and to do it quickly and efficiently. So, they're not running up your bill. It's really beneficial to everyone involved. You get what you need, you get it fast, you don't get your bill run up, and you're not talking to paralegals. They ask me, it must be an assistant or a paralegal, right? It can't be an attorney that I get to talk to. No, you you do. You, just like an insurance claim, more or less, you call in, you place the ticket, they call you back within six business hours. They already have a summary of your question, they'll ask you more details, they'll answer your question right there on the spot. Um, I've had them spend 30 minutes with me on the phone answering my questions. All of my attorneys have been wonderful, nice, helpful, gotten me what I needed. And I saved a lot of money doing it. And they've been wonderful. So if you think you might be interested in the plan and you're curious who your firm might be, just give me a call or a text at 678-355-8777 or go to my website, uh, getoutofthemess.com and leave me a message. And I'm happy to send you that information and let you know who your firm would be.
0: All right, this segment's called Ask Paul. This is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to help them through a challenge. This letter I'm not going to read on the air. Uh, You know, I might paraphrase a sentence here and there, but this person wrote to me and said that she has a relationship with her mom that she wishes was better. But um, there's an incident that happened a long time ago that she's still not quite over. So she can't feel close to her mom. She didn't share the incident in her letter, but her question uh, circles around the idea that uh, sharing this thing with her mom will make her mom feel really guilty. And um, since they're having a good relationship now, she's unsure if she should share it with her mom, tell her how she feels about the incident, tell her exactly the, the pain or the hurt that she went through because of what happened. And she's wondering maybe she should just let sleeping dogs lie. Or if she does that, now she has this thing that she's holding on to and she doesn't think she can be closer to her mom. But if she does tell her, then her mom will feel guilty and now the mom will bear the pain or the guilt or the shame or whatever it is. And so she's kind of stuck. And so I read her letter and the very first thing I thought of was, wow, (laughs) that's, that's a tough one. And the second thing that I thought of, Was, oh, I've sort of been there myself in the sense that I had a family member entrust me with some information that uh, I believed should be absolutely public knowledge, at least to my mom and other family members. But this family member that shared it with me said, no, this is just between us. And that was hard because now I have. And I'm going to use the term burden, even though it wasn't, but it was to me, even though whatever happened happened to this family member and not me. But now I have information that I am holding on to, and it is an emotional burden to keep it to myself. Again, burden's not the right word, but that's the word I'm going to use. So I have this information now, and I want to share it with my mom, and I can't because I committed to not share it out of respect for this family member who told me. So I know I'm being vague. (laughs) I'm sorry, but uh, I need to keep some of this private out of respect for those that are involved. But the point was, now I have this, quote, burden, this emotional burden, and now I'm having trouble uh, relating, for example, to my mom, not because she was directly involved with it, but because I have information that I want to tell her and I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I can't be honest with her. Now, is it a matter of being honest? I mean, where is my focus? Is it that I'm going to be dishonest to my mom or that I'm going to be respectful and in integrity with this other family member? And when it came to the conflict inside my mind, I chose to put my focus on the respect and integrity for this other family member because really what this other family member went through was what they went through and it wasn't what I went through so really all I had was information I had information that I thought would be very important for everyone to know but now I have to keep this secret and I did I did keep that secret and it 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 didn't pain me but it irked me. <laughs> it uh, it did cause something inside of me because I just wanted to share it. I wanted to express it, but I promised I wouldn't. So when it comes to something like this, when you want to share a piece of information or express yourself to someone and you think that by expressing it, it's going to make someone else feel a certain way, you know, I promote that we're not responsible for someone else's feelings. Yet at the same time, we could be the catalyst for how they feel in the sense that when they hear what you have to say, it could change their life, maybe forever. And that seems like a big responsibility on us. If I found out something that I wanted to share with my mom, but I realized that by sharing it with her, it would make her feel bad for years and years or maybe until she passed on would it be more harmful to share it just to release me of the burden or should i not do it and just hold on to the burden myself and figure out a way to be okay in me and this is the dilemma this is why i was like you know i read this email and i'm like i'm not sure (laughs) this could go either way so specifically with the person who wrote this letter who believes her mom will feel guilty if she talks about the incident that happened a long time ago. My question is, why is it important to express yourself to her? What is the purpose of letting her know that something affected you when you were younger? You may have a a solid, valid reason, and I don't want to take that away from you because I'm all about authenticity sharing and expressing and being truthful with people and then you get to mend the relationship from that point on if possible but if you share and they turn away and they don't want to mend the relationship they want to get away because it hurts or because they feel guilty you may not be able to do anything about it so when i think about your particular situation if i were in your shoes i would consider strongly that the thing i want to express is it unfinished in both of your lives or just yours and i think that's an important question because if it's unfinished in both of your lives like an unspoken thing you know it happened and you remember it happening but let's never speak of it again if it's that then i am all on board with bringing it up And just speaking the hard truths, expressing what's going on with you, and just getting it out in the open. Because holding on to it, it can eat away at you. If it's not unfinished business for both of you and just you, then maybe it's a good idea to not bring it up. That's not my advice. That's just something that when I put myself in your shoes, I would consider it a better choice to keep it with me and do my best to work with it, and maybe process it in a way that I can deal with. Because really, you can look at it this way. Let's just say that you have this incident that you want to express, and you believe that it will help you release and get closer to your mom if you told her. So let's just say that that's true right now. But what if your mom died tomorrow, and now you have this information or this incident that you want to discuss with her and you can't what does that mean for you that means that you need to find another way to work with this and process it and hopefully release it because if she's not around you have no other choice but to do it a different way this is why i think that if it's not unfinished business for her that it's important that you deal with this in yourself any way you can. Because if she wasn't around, then what would you do? That doesn't mean I disagree sharing with her. And I'm not saying to be dishonest with her. I mean, if a subject comes up and you have feelings about it, then absolutely be expressive and honest. But do you want to share with her to relieve yourself of something? Or is it so that she knows what she did? Is there any type of like blaming or accusing that you want to get off your chest. Because if that's the case, again, you can go in that direction or you can find a path to forgiveness in yourself. And I'm not necessarily saying forgive her. I'm saying forgive yourself in the sense that you can let it go. Because sometimes we feel a certain way for being in a certain situation and we need to give ourselves a break. For being in that situation, even if we were too young or too naive or didn't know anything about it, there's still a part of us that feels like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I fell for that. I can't believe that I was a part of that. I always believe that once you forgive yourself for being in the situation, even if it has nothing to do with you and you know it wasn't your fault, typically there's some self blame in there. And when you can forgive yourself and that blame can be lifted, then you suddenly have no negative or at least not the same negative feelings that you had towards the people involved that you used to. Because when that self-blame is lifted and you're able to be loving and kind and nurturing to yourself and there's no unfinished business on their side, then you can have a closer relationship. So I think the good question in there is, why do I want to express it to her? If there's a part of you that wants her to know what you went through for some sort of vindication from her, then I want you to consider that if she were not around, how else can you deal with this? And that's a good way to look at it because she may not be around or even if she is, just having that thought process helps you heal yourself first and foremost because if you can take the time to process and hopefully heal and release what's going on inside of you first and then approach the situation if you want to talk about it, if it's necessary, with her, it'll come from a different place. But if you're carrying any sort of um, negative thoughts, any sort of you want to be vindicated feelings, then that is going to be what motivates you and what causes you to say the things that you might say. You might say it with anger instead of love and compassion and understanding Uh, and it might be in there and it might all be valid but this is definitely a personal choice it's kind of on the fence like yes it's good to express and talk these things out and then you might think yeah she's my mom and she's getting up in age and she's doing very well right now and she's happy but if I tell her this it's going to ruin the rest of her life You know, this is this is tough. This is tough. So I would definitely address it in yourself as much as possible first, because if you can get over this and heal from it, then if the issue comes up, it won't be so um, I hate to use the word dramatic when it's talked about and if it's talked about, because often when the healing is done inside of you, there's no need to talk about it. I hope that makes sense. And that's that's something that I had to go through myself. I had this very personal, very private, very important piece of information that a family member shared with me. And I had to come to terms in myself that it was important that I keep it to myself. So I had to do some processing with that. I had to do some healing, knowing that I had this information that I just had to share. I had to explore why I had to share it and why does it matter so much now after all this time There was a lot of healing I had to do about that in myself I don't know if the words healing but certainly a lot of processing because I had to get through that time and I did I went through it I processed it and I was able to then keep that secret until it was no longer necessary to keep it and everything seemed to work out uh, regardless of the information that I had so I hope this helps you. I hope this is uh, what you're looking for. It's not uh, a direct piece of advice, but um, I think it gives you enough to chew on to figure out what you need to do, what you can do going forward with your with your mom. I appreciate your writing. Thanks so much. And thanks for listening. We are running out of time, so I'm going to wrap this up. We'll be right back with some um, thank yous, my final words, and then we'll close the show. Back in a minute. <music> Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. You can't beat the idea of having real law firms at your beck and call. So if you're in the U.S. or Canada, give Asha a call at 678-355-8777. And before you even purchase the service, she can tell you who your law firm is. So then I'll give you something to uh, Google search (laughs) if you're interested in this service at all. So... Give her a call when you get a chance. And if you haven't gotten the book yet, go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble and get The Overwhelmed Brain, Personal Growth for Critical Thinkers. Yes, it's the book. It's the place where I tried to condense everything I know in a linear fashion so that you can walk through step A to step Z and become the most self-empowered person that you can be. As of this recording, it's a week to Christmas. What a great Christmas gift. If you like what I teach and you want to spread it around, Get the book, wrap it up, put it on your coffee table so that others see it, drop it off at a friend's house, and help other people reach an empowering place just like you are, or you're trying to get to, or you're working on it. (laughs) That's the Overwhelmed Brain book. It's got all the uh, pink arrows on the cover. I didn't really have uh, too much decision-making power in the uh, cover design, (laughs) but that's okay. It gets the point across. Get the book today. You're going to love it. And finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompatech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. All right, to close the show, I'm going to read you a paragraph or two out of The Overwhelmed Brain book. No, I'm not doing this to promote it and market it, although it might be a side effect. <laughs> but this is actually relative to the things I was just talking about in the last segment. The um, heading for this paragraph is Focus on Your Healing not others. And I wrote, If the problems in your life have to do with a relationship, and you blame the other person's behavior for everything that's wrong about it, you will always have relationship problems. The quality of your relationships is directly reflective of the level of dysfunction in yourself. When you look at someone else who you believe to be the problem, you sometimes fail to observe what it is in you that keeps that problem in your life. and Like I said, that's right in line with the um, last segment where I read that, uh, or I didn't read an email, but I told you about the email that I got where she may or may not be focused on her mom and what uh, the problems her mom caused in her life. Because, you know, if you have a family member or a friend that caused problems in your relationship with them, Do you focus on yourself and what's important to you and your values in a relationship? Or do you focus on the other person wanting to fix them, heal them, wanting to make sure they understand that they know they're at fault? Or do you focus on yourself? And I think it's vital that first and foremost, you focus on yourself. I think it's very important for you to address these things in yourself most of the time. I mean, there are times where you address things with the other person right away when it's happening in the moment. But if you're holding on to something uh, because your relationship's having issues, then look inward and understand what you want in your life. For example, when I was married, I put all my focus on my wife and I'm like, what does she need to do to... Make this a better relationship. I knew what she needed to do. I knew very well because I was so judgmental. I said, all she needs to do is this, is stop doing this and start doing that. I knew all those things and I made sure she knew it too. And uh, it was a harsh, uh, volatile environment for her, for both of us, really. I was creating this environment. But uh, during the last year, after we separated and I started healing from my judgment issues, I realized that the entire time we were together, my focus was on her 99.9% of the time. If she changes, we'll be better. If she only does this, we'll be in a good place. And it took the loss of that marriage. It took the loss of that relationship for me to realize that my focus was on the wrong person the entire time. If I had turned that inward and told myself, if I really have a problem with this, then I am the problem, then our marriage would have been much different. I'm not saying it would have lasted or or wouldn't have. I don't know. But I know it would have been different. I know that my personal growth and evolution would certainly have been faster instead of me so focused on someone else for seven plus years of an eight year relationship. If she only did this, then things will be better. That, I believe, is faulty logic. I'm not saying that's 100% all the time true, but uh, just coming back to yourself going, what do I need for me? Because if I really had a problem with her and her behavior, then I should have honored myself and gotten away from those problems. I mean, what I interpreted to be problems. And of course, I would have talked with her and asked her if, she was willing to change or talk about it. Uh, I mean, I look back at that now and say, that's what I would do now. But at the time, of course, I'm not going to do that. My insistence was that she change because I had no problems. <laughs> but I did. I had problems because I refused to look inward. So I think that's important. I want you to take that with you and um, look at any relationships that you have and think about who your focus is on. Is it on them And if they change, everything will be great with you and them. Everything will be great in the relationship. Or is it on you? And as you heal, learn, grow and evolve, they're either going to do the same with you because they want to be with you or they're not. And that doesn't mean they don't want to be with you, but they may not want to grow out of what they're going through. Or maybe they're not going through anything. Maybe it was all inside you. And once you heal, the relationship will get better. Regardless of the cause, once you start changing, you'll find out soon enough if the relationship's going to work or not. Because you're doing all you can inside of you, which is the most important place to start. Don't start inside someone else. Start in you. And how do you do that? The first thing is to open your mind and step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. for that 20-minute explanation. I will still do my best editing that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're such a jerk.